Over the years, we've seen some very, well, unique legal cases pop up in Australia. Not because they set legendary precedents like Donahue and Stevenson, but because they're headline-worthy, a bit strange or just plain shocking. Well, in today's episode of Trial by Podcast, we're going to be counting down five of the most unusual legal cases in Australia. My name is Emma Jago, and I'm here with fellow graduate Monique Messenger. Hey guys, so in preparation for this episode, we each went off to search some cases that we found unique and these are our top five. Coming in at fifth place, the anti-Uber activist. Russell Howarth is a self-proclaimed anti-Uber activist. He was part of the arresting Uber campaign aimed at raising awareness of Uber's alleged illegal operations. He claimed that in performing nine citizens' arrests and overseeing a further five citizens' arrests between October 2014 And July 2015, he was preventing Uber drivers from contravening the Passenger Transport Act and regulations that were in force at the time. As part of the campaign, Mr Howarth would also tailgate and intimidate Uber drivers in Sydney. Uber commenced proceedings against Mr Howarth in 2015 to permanently restrain him from conducting citizens' arrests or threatening Uber drivers and staff members. Justice Slattery found that the manner in which Mr Howarth had conducted the citizens' arrests with intent to injure Uber constituted the tort of intimidation. In granting the permanent injunction, Justice Slattery held that Mr Howarth had not exercised the power of citizens' arrest in circumstances where it was necessary and he hadn't exercised the power for the purposes of commencing criminal proceedings. Wow, one interesting man he sounds. <laughs> now, the court case coming in fourth, the Battle of the Ugboot. So to an everyday Aussie, Ugg boots are a staple in the winter weather. But what many Aussies don't know is that actually an American company called Decker's Outdoor Corporation, which is a footwear giant that owns the brand Ugg, has registered a trademark of Ugg in 130 countries. The term Ugg is not registered in Australia because it's considered too generic representing all sheepskin shoes in the footwear industry. It isn't able to distinguish one particular brand, which is a requirement to register a trademark. So Decker's application to register the UGG trademark in Australia was rejected. Although local companies are able to market their sheepskin footwear as UGG boots in Australia, Decker's are enforcing their IP protection under the registered trademarks in countries overseas. This prevents Australian companies from exporting their local UGG boots. In May 2021, a Sydney UGG boot maker, Eddie Ogur, the owner of Australian Leather, lost a five-year legal battle with Deckers in the US court. Deckers had sued Mr. Ogur for selling a dozen Ugg boots in the US. Mr. Ogur argued that Deckers shouldn't be able to trademark Ugg in the US in the first place. In opposition, Deckers argued that the doctrine was not relevant because the Americans did not recognise Ugg as a descriptive term, only as a brand name. Mr. Ogur now has vowed to take this fight to the US Supreme Court. He also argued that Ugboot should be made in Australia and not overseas, and the trademark registration has cost thousands of Australian jobs. Despite Mr. Ogur's argument, at the current time, the term UG remains protected by IP in 130 countries. That means Australian producers of our homegrown UG boots cannot be sold overseas as UG boots. This is why I make sure I always support Australian UG producers when I buy them in winter. Completely agree, Monique. I'm working from home and wearing my Australian UG boots right now. Same here. So coming in third place is when a man sued his wife for negligence after jumping from their Mercedes Benz. This is one of my personal favourites. 
Brian Lim suffered catastrophic injuries when he jumped from a moving vehicle in which he was a passenger. In 2017, he sued his wife, the driver of the vehicle, in negligence, claiming his injuries would not have been as severe if she had slammed her foot on the brakes of their car. The New South Wales District Court heard that the couple and their two children had been out to dinner in 2012 when they began to argue. The argument continued on the drive home. Mr Lim told his wife he wanted a divorce and opened the passenger door. His wife continued driving but leaned across to grab him, yelling at him to stop being so silly. Judge Wilson found that Mr Lim's wife had been driving at around 50 kilometres an hour at the time of the incident and that emergency braking could have caused injury to her two very young children in the car and to other road users. The primary judge found that if Ms Cho had applied the brakes, the more likely inference is that the plaintiff would have suffered injury of equal or almost equal proportion. Judge Wilson found that while Mr Lim's wife had a duty to ensure his safety while in the car, that duty did not extend to protecting him from harm he caused to himself. Even if Mr Lim's wife had applied the brakes, there was no reason to believe that his injuries would have been any less severe. Mr Lim appealed the decision to the New South Wales Court of Appeal, however his appeal was dismissed. Coming in second place now, this is a very unusual one. Hinks and Construction Engineering Aus Pty Ltd, where a man sought $1.8 million in damages for psychological and physical injuries, including irritable bowel syndrome, resulting from workplace bullying, which allegedly resulted in the plaintiff not being able to return to work since he was dismissed a decade ago. The plaintiff also complained in trial that the respondent unlawfully terminated his employment and that the deed of release and settlement he signed in the settlement of his unfair dismissal proceedings was under duress. The plaintiff who represented himself at trial alleged that his ex-employer was a serial farter and this was a contributing element in the bullying. Yes, you heard me right, farter. To establish a bullying claim at common law, a plaintiff must show on the balance of probabilities that there was established pattern of behaviour in the workplace, which was repeated and unreasonable, and which a reasonable person in the circumstances of the case would expect to give risk to a reasonable psychiatric illness. The plaintiff gave details of the alleged bullying, saying that his ex-employer would come into his small windowless office several times a day and break wind, and then walk away. This would occur apparently five to six times a day. But it's important to note that the plaintiff said that this was one piece in a larger conspiracy of workplace bullying. He alleged his employer would abuse him over the phone, use profound language, and at times taunt him with gestures. For example, apparently at a Christmas luncheon, the plaintiff was asked by his employer if he was gay and was called an idiot poofter. Basically, he was saying that farting was one piece in a larger conspiracy. The plaintiff claims one time he even sprayed deodorant on his former employer and called him Mr Stinky. The man who was accused of being the farter claimed in an 18-day trial that he may have done it once or twice, but not with the intention of distressing or harassing the plaintiff. The plaintiff's action was unsuccessful at first instance and was also dismissed on appeal. The plaintiff was even termed an unreliable witness. The plaintiff has now vowed that he will take this case all the way to the High Court, but it's been two years now and we haven't seen an appeal. However, this farting saga may not be over yet. Wow, I'll definitely be keeping my eyes peeled for any developments in that case. I agree. And finally, in first place, this is probably one you're all more familiar with, where Sydney man Meow Ludo Disco Gamma Meow Meow 
yes, that is his legal name, was fined for travelling without a valid ticket. Why? Because he implanted the chip from an Opal travel card into his hand. Mr. Meow Meow implanted an Opal chip in his hand in a surgical procedure and tapped on with his implanted chip, which was confirmed by the ticket inspector's Opal reader. The self-described biohacker and cyborg was convicted and fined $220 in 2018 for attempting to travel without a ticket, but later appealed the decision to the district court and won. Judge Dina Yehia pointed out Mr Meow Meow had actually paid for his trip. He had not tampered with the Opal card in order to avoid payment and said he wasn't trying to fare evade. She said this is not a case where the appellant deliberately defaced or damaged, altered or tampered with the Opal card in such a way as to avoid paying for his ticket. Indeed, there is no dispute here that he did pay for his ticket. Mr Meow Meow said he would not do it again without permission from Transport New South Wales. He told the UNSW School of Biotechnology and Biomolecular Sciences that despite the subsequent legal action, he was happy to see that Opal Microchip Saga start a conversation about freedom, biohacking and the future. Mr Meow Meow said on his Facebook post, cyborg justice has been served. Well, some definitely very interesting cases that we've discussed today. Not the legal cases you would expect to hear typically in court. Are there any legal cases you think we've missed? We'd love to hear from you. You can send us a message through the McCabe's website or contact us on Instagram at Trial by Podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, remember to give us a rating in the Apple Store and share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.